This is Plant-Based Briefing. Who would want to be a farmer? The Burden on Mental Health, Part 2, by Jackie Norman at surgeactivism.org. And I'm your host, Marian Erickson, and this is the Curated Content Plant-Based Podcast, where I narrate a variety of articles on plant-based, compassionate, and eco-friendly living, with permission, in about 10 minutes or less every weekday. And today's article is a bit longer than that, so it's a two-parter. Go back and listen to part one yesterday first if you haven't already, and then jump back here for part two. So now let's get to today's plant-based briefing. Who Would Want to Be a Farmer? The Burden on Mental Health, part two, by Jackie Norman at surgeactivism.org. Peer pressure. There's a saying, tradition is just peer pressure from dead people. And this is never more true than in farming. Quote-unquote, livestock farming is steeped in tradition, going back hundreds of years in many families, and that forms a crucial part of some people's identities. Many farms are still handed down from one generation to the next, and there is always that pressure to grow the operation, improve, and do the family proud. Naturally, there is also a huge amount of pressure on workers from those in authority. People think all farmers are the owners of the operation, but this isn't the case at all. The ones who milk cows are rarely the owners. Most owners are usually retired and have managers or share milkers who in turn employ their own staff. Managers are under pressure from the farm owner and regular workers are under pressure from both. The only benefit of being at the bottom of the order is that it is a lot easier to leave if it all gets too much. Farmers even feel pressure from previous workers who farmed the same land or milked the same cows the year or even years before their arrival. There is always an expectation to measure up to the one who held your position before you. If you don't manage to achieve the same production or better than last year without very good reason, the boss wants to know why and will be on your back. More pressure yet comes from each other. Among other similar networks, many areas have monthly discussion groups in which all the local farmers take turns to meet at another's property for half a day. They walk around, look at the pasture, the soil, the cows, question them on production and other practices, and basically try and outachieve one another as to whose cows are producing the most milk, who works the hardest, and so on. I attended many of these during my years in the industry, and they never once felt like a positive experience. The Unknown So much in farming is out of a farmer's control, and this has increased considerably in recent years, not least of all due to public awareness of the effect of animal agriculture on the environment. Policy shifts, such as overwater consumption and greenhouse gas emissions, are an unwelcome challenge for farmers in the way they run their businesses. The effort, time, and money required in order to comply is very stressful when time is already so limited and money is tight. As it is, a farmer can never predict what is going to happen on any given day. While the job is monotonous a lot of the time, you can still have animal health emergencies, the equipment can fail, and nothing can be more uncontrollable or have a greater impact than the weather. Both farmers and their animals are at the total mercy of the weather, droughts, floods, hail, snow, and ice, all resulting in loss of land, loss of feed, loss of life. All these things can render a farmer powerless, and there is no way of knowing when these times will end or how quickly the land and animals will recover. Feeling indispensable. I never met a farmer who didn't feel unable to leave the farm. Consequently, many of them don't and live at work 24-7 with no weekends and no time off. Although plenty of employers do allow weekends or holidays, you don't take them because the buck stops with you and you don't trust anyone else to look after the cows, pasture, milking plant, or just generally do things right in your absence. 
It doesn't help that good, reliable staff are harder than ever to find. Today's young people are not willing to spend years of their lives losing sleep or their social lives. Getting up at 4 or 5 a.m. for 11 months of the year and every hour or two over calving season. Living your life by the clock, never truly able to relax. Unsurprisingly, it is also hard to find family members who are interested in taking over when the time comes to retire or who have the capital required to succeed their parents, resulting in a sense of fear for the future and, again, that feeling of being indispensable. Isolation. Farming is an incredibly solitary job. You can go for days, even weeks, without seeing another soul. Much of the time, you're just alone with your own thoughts. Lack of free time leaves no outlet for stress, no time for other hobbies or interests. I've met many a retired farmer who regretted the lack of quality time he spent with his family, missing out on family holidays, children's school and sports, always an absent parent. As for the stress farming puts on marriages, it can often feel more like a work contract partnership than a romantic couple. I know of many marriages which have crumbled when a couple finally leave the farm, only to realize they actually have nothing in common now they are no longer a team. Poor physical health. Physical health, or lack of it, can also contribute to poor mental health, and it is pretty hard to look after yourself when you're working 14 hours a day or more. Despite having such a physical job, most of the farmers I worked with in the industry were overweight due to diets high in animal protein, as well as junk food from not having the time to prepare anything more nutritious. Alcohol consumption is also high in many farmers. You work hard, you play hard, you find a coping mechanism. Muscular pain, injuries, and wounds go with the job, and again that feeling of being indispensable and having to carry on results in prolonging of pain and suffering. Worryingly, an association between pesticide exposure and farmer mental disorders has also been reported in 43 reviewed studies in both developed and developing countries, showcasing an array of severe symptoms. All these and more result in depression, anxiety, low self-esteem, panic attacks, suicidal thoughts, and uncontrollable anger in farmers. It sounds like an awful existence, and it is. So why don't more of them just leave and do something else? A brighter, animal-free future for farmers. One obstacle preventing farmers from leaving the industry is fear and lack of self-belief. For many, it is all they know, all they have ever done since leaving school or even earlier. Consequently, it is all they think they can do. But as any farmer will also tell you, they possess a multitude of valuable skills. They are plumbers, builders, carpenters, engineers, heavy machinery operators, fencers, and horticulturalists all rolled into one. There are countless things they are experienced in and can do really well. Canadian former pig farmer and ex-slaughterhouse worker Justin Reinke experienced firsthand the impact of working in an intensive farming operation and painted a thought-provoking comparison for other animal farmers caught up in the cycle. Imagine the pleasure and fulfillment of going to work every day on a farm where you get to grow plants instead of animals. Imagine the peace and reward of tending to vegetable crops compared with the stench, filth, and noise of a barn where you're required to cut the tails and teeth off countless screaming piglets. New Zealand-based regenerative agriculture consultant Jono Frew has also spoken of the sheer joy and emotional responses he has witnessed in farmers in their 60s who have transitioned into growing crops for the first time and are enjoying a whole new quality of life. It is all out there, and it is possible. Almost 30 years have passed since I got yelled at for forgetting the carrots, yet that first boss of mine is still milking cows. 
While he did take anger management classes, it didn't stop him from shooting that dog he used to beat. Recognizing there is a problem and trying to do something about it is commendable, but it takes far more than a handful of self-improvement classes or a government injection to relieve both farmers and animals of the impact of a constantly stressful environment. The only way to break the cycle is to break free of it, and that's something too few farmers realize until they step away from it. You don't believe there is actually life outside of farming, a much, much better one, until you are no longer entrenched in it. It is a heartbreaking revelation to realize you have lost years of your life. Sadly, I can only speak from experience there, too. In making the effort to understand the mental state of many farmers and communicate more effectively, we can play an important part in helping more of them to leave their current situation behind. In doing so, not only will they improve the quality of their own lives beyond belief, but they will also play a vital role in securing a better future for the animals who will no longer be exploited and ultimately each and every one of us. You just listened to Who Would Want to Be a Farmer? The Burden on Mental Health, Part 2, by Jackie Norman at surgeactivism.org. And I'm your host, Marian Erickson, and this is such an important article. I think it's important for all animal activists to understand the experiences of farmers, just like it's important to understand the experiences of slaughterhouse workers. I have a list of reasons to live vegan, and I had added slaughterhouse workers to my list after learning more about that, and you can check out episode 129 if you'd like more information there. But now I'm adding farmers and farm workers to my list as well. There are also many organizations that help animal farmers transition to plant farming, and I'll put links to all of these in the show notes, but they include ReFarmed, Rowdy Girl Sanctuary, Miyoko's Dairy Farm Transition, The Transformation Project, and The Brave New Life Project. That one specifically focuses on helping slaughterhouse workers transition out. And two other suggestions if you're interested in this information. The documentary Milked exposes the truth of New Zealand's multi-billion dollar dairy industry. And they talk about farmers, how they're trapped in this industry as well. It's an impactful film, not too graphic, so it's viewer-friendly. And I'll put a link in the show notes, but you can find it at milk.film. And there's a book that I highly, highly, highly recommend that I'm reading now called Once Upon a Time We Ate Animals by Roanne von Vorst. She's a social scientist, and her specialty is future scenarios and how they'll impact society. So she outlines a world in which the eating of animals is no longer normal and the eating of plants is now the new norm. So she demonstrates what the world will be like, what kind of jobs people will have, what the dinner table will be like. And she helps people understand how they were raised with a culture of eating animals, not with a necessity. And she wasn't an activist. She wasn't even vegan when she started researching this book. She is now. But the reason I bring it up here is she interviewed a lot of farmers and shared their amazing stories. Farmers who stopped animal farming and switched to plant farming. And the stories are so moving and so inspiring. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes, but it's called Once Upon a Time We Ate Animals. And please share this episode with anyone who might benefit, and thanks for listening.